On this 21st episode of the Rebel Storytellers podcast, we talk about making stuff, despite having no idea how to make said stuff. Hope you enjoy. You are listening to the Rebel Storytellers podcast. Rebel Storytellers. Candid conversations with dreamers, doers, and creative problem solvers. Hosted by Brad Wise and Steve Fuller. A wee podcast made in Cincinnati, Ohio. So Brad, I was curious. Um, we're going to be talking to a gentleman who decided he wanted to write a screenplay with no experience. Never yep. written a screenplay never really written anything, and uh, talk about that journey for him. And I was wondering, have you ever tried anything that you had absolutely no idea what you were doing, but you decided to do it anyway? Uh, Yeah, a lot. I mean... Besides podcasting. Well, besides podcasting, besides doing exactly what David did, which is writing a screenplay, (laughs) certainly can relate to that. Uh, But just like a back-in-the-day story, I mean, there was... As kids, like, we, you're always just, like, making stuff and trying stuff, right? You right. did that? Yeah, sure. So back in the day, my dad loved uh, and still does hockey, and he would watch Hockey Night in Canada. We would get, like, the Canadian station living up in northwest Ohio. Really? I yeah. didn't know your dad liked hockey. He loved he loves Don Cherry, if he's still alive. <laughs> and we would watch hockey together sometimes. And uh, it was, like, during the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs that we decided, well, we should have, like, a ice hockey rink. To play ice hockey. Like, wouldn't that be something? Where? In Tiffin, Ohio. In your yard? Yeah, in our backyard. And uh, But our our yard didn't have, like, a pond in it <laughs> or or any sort of body of water. And so... How old were you? Uh, we were probably in elementary school. Okay. And so I started, like, talking about this with my dad, and he kind of got all excited, like, you know, to, you know, imagine just ice skating with some sticks and a puck in your backyard, like... It just sounded magical. Your adult dad. Yeah. Okay. And um, we start brainstorming of like what we could do, and we decide that the what, the way we were going to do it was we would buy a bunch of trash bags, and we would lay these trash bags down on the ground, and that would be like the liner of the rink, and then we would use there was snow out I think or I forget if we used snow or no we used sandbags I think. Either way, we had like a bumper that would be, that would like go, the bumper would go up, and so the sandbags would go over it, and that would create the lip around the thing. And so we thought, all we need is like a few inches of water. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, how how thick can an ice skating rink be? I've never been like underneath one, but it can't be that thick. So we pulled out the garden hose after we made this pretty big like thing with garbage bags, and it was it was fun to do. You know, it's like... Dad and his boys, you know, build an ice rink together. And we got the hose out and we started filling it up and, you know, probably spent $5,000 worth of water to (laughs) fill up, you know, two inches. And it got high enough that I was like, oh, this will be enough. And it was getting pretty cold. And so we thought, well, we'll give it a couple nights to freeze. And after a couple nights, we got there and it was frozen. We're starting to get really, we're starting to get pretty excited. But then you get on and it just like, crumbles that's too bad (laughs) like it's not it wouldn't be enough for you know birds to go play hockey on (laughs) it all crumbles and then it was just like (laughs) you just quit we just quit well that's a sad (laughs) i was was. so at the beginning i was like you guys are idiots that's never gonna work and then for a while i was like oh my gosh 
they actually were going to build an ice rink, and then in the end, it just it just didn't work. It was, it's a sound concept. Part of the problem, I think, was that <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> well, the theory of it, right? If we had a deeper, that's essentially what a pond is. A pond is just a a belly of water with a lip. We just didn't go deep enough. A pond is certainly a bunch of trash bags <laughs> with a bunch of sandbags around it filled with two inches of hose water. That's exactly what a pond is. I didn't say exactly. You're, well, putting, you're putting words in my mouth. That's what I said. You asked the question, have we ever tried something where we had no idea what we were doing? And uh, that's, that's a story. Well, that sounds like a good, um, a good lesson for a, a youngin to just, if you have an idea and you want to go for it, just go for it, right? That's probably why you decided to write movies and podcasts. I, I think my dad, uh, if there's one thing and there's not, there's a million things, but the one major thing he instilled was like, let's just go try. Yeah. So That's a good thing to do. Absolutely. And I, uh, I always respect people like that because I think most of us are too afraid, too afraid of the rejection or the failure of what people would say. And it's what keeps most of us from uh, doing stuff. And there are some people on the planet that are just like, I'm just going to do it. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say I'm one of those people, but that felt kind of braggy. That felt so (laughs) try-y. But it's true. I mean, if it doesn't work, who cares? You just got to clean up all the trash bags. That's the worst part. But you look stupid. So what? I hate looking stupid. (laughs) I do it so well, but I hate it so much. <laughs> You're so good at it. Well, we're lucky enough that we actually talked to someone this week who did just that. They decided they wanted to uh, do something cool, and they had no experience, and they were like, eh, let's just do it. And I felt like in this interview, I did a really good job asking questions. The beauty of this interview, this is probably the best interview we've done. Really? Coming out. I mean, we'll let the people judge for themselves <laughs> why. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm pretty sure they're going to walk away thinking, I want more of that. Steve's being funny, like he does, time to time. And the story is my mic stopped working during the next interview, so it's just him and two producers from Hopebridge, Isaac Stambo and David Eaton. And as you'll hear in the interview, the project started four years ago as a passion project for David and his wife, Christy. And now will have its world premiere and theatrical run starting May 8th at the Kenwood Theater in Cincinnati. And if you're not in Cincinnati, don't worry, the movie will be available nationwide on DVD starting May 26th. And Hope Bridge was directed by Joshua Overbay and stars Kevin Sorbo and Boo Boo Stewart. It's the story of a teenager who, after his father's shocking suicide, begins a search for the truth and ultimately hope. Here's the backstory of how it all came to be. Now, you guys had, uh, I, I don't know anything about making movies. So I'm the perfect person to do this interview uh, because I have no idea what to ask or how to ask it. So let's just start with what was your role on the movie, your guys' role, and uh, and what did that look like? So what was your official titles? Well, we're 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 both producers on on the film, and um, I think this is a good a good point for Dave to step in. He and his wife Christy. Um, this is kind of the story of the movie started started with them. Um, it's kind of their baby. So, so Dave, why don't you talk about where this whole thing started? Yeah, talk about not knowing how to make a movie or produce <laughs> a movie. That's, that's where I was uh, four years ago. So uh, Hope Ridge really was a, an offshoot of a suicide in our family. So we experienced it in our family about seven years ago. And then we experienced it again through some very close friends of ours who lost their son, 20-year-old son, 
uh, about a year later. And uh, Christy and I really felt like we needed to do something about it. Uh, we weren't sure what we could do. And I really felt a calling that uh, we were supposed to make a movie, which is hilarious because we really never went to movies. <laughs> and my wife, Christy, has never stayed awake during an entire movie <laughs> in her life. So <laughs> Is now, that true? Now one of them. She stayed <laughs> yeah. awake for one of them. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so we were really as far away from movies as, as you could think of. And uh, so I said, I told her what I felt like I was being called to do. And uh, she said, well, let's do this. And so we went to, uh, you know, of course, on the Internet, everything's, everything's true. So we looked on the Internet how to write a script. And wow. uh, we started writing a script. Uh, and it was, it was just surreal. We'd be in our dining room and, and at night and on the weekends. The kids would walk by and they'd be, you know, looking at us going, what are you guys doing? And we'd say, well, write, write in a movie, a movie script. And they'd wow. roll their eyes. Yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> So, you know, when you got teenagers, we have six of them. So when you have teenagers, wow. it's uh, kind of crazy when they're, when they're in, their, in their element. So eight weeks, we had a script written. And so then it's kind of like, well, now what do you do? Had you done any storytelling before? Had you written any, you know, books or um, even just in your spare time as a hobby, mm-hmm. blogged or anything nope. like that? Nope. I'm a sales guy. <laughs> and, you know, that's, I've been doing that for all my life. So uh, I found in writing that part of the reason why I do it is I think it's my own form of therapy, that it's me processing emotions. And I've always just felt like putting things down on paper is my best way to do that. What was that experience like? You you said that you had some personal experience with this. So as you and your wife are going through this, what was that like to to talk to her about it, to brainstorm, and then to put things down on paper. It, it definitely was healing. So for for me, it was actually my ex-wife, so my mother's or my uh, my kid's mom. And so for Christy, God love her. I mean, she could have just kind of said, "Hey, this is your deal. You know, mm-hmm. it's not really my deal." But she she jumped in, you know, all in. She I think she felt at first it was going to be kind of healing for me to be able to write this stuff down and you know help with my children. But she uh, she jumped right in with me and was all in. So it was it was definitely that was part of it. Um, you know, our friends losing their son was extremely challenging for us to see as well. And you know, with suicide, some if you haven't been impacted, a lot of things you'll notice is people don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. You know, we had people in the grocery store avoid us because you know they don't know how to approach you. Right. And so I think uh, so I think being able to tell this story and really get people talking about it is real, was really the goal. So what was your first step after completing the script? What did you do? Wonder what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> did you Google it again? Yeah, exactly. We were like, okay, now what? We have this script. Uh, it was it was interesting because things got set up for us all along the way. Um, you know, we got the script done. We're not really sure what to do. And, uh, you know, boy, just by happenstance, you know, someone in Christie's office, she was in real estate marketing, just happened to know a you know a real a, a, um, a TV producer hmm. you know a producer of a t- the TV show The Zone for many years so hmm. uh, yeah who who just knows a Christian TV producer <laughs> not me <laughs> I know so uh, so he um, we got his number and he said he typically would never you know take a call because he's not he's busy doing other mm-hmm. stuff but he Christy just talked to him and he said you got so much fire I want to I want to meet with you let's yeah. talk about your script. Yeah, so do you think one of the big selling points was just your passion about the story Absolutely. is what got him Absolutely. on board with that? Yep. So um, as he's involved, uh, how do you eventually go from the script in your hand to you've got the movie coming out in a month? Right. Uh, well, it was funny. that we, we first met with Harold. He was our, our, friend, our producer friend, and we had him read the script. 
And uh, so we were, it was like, it was like, you know, you're getting ready to show someone your baby. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, look, yeah. at, look at this great thing we have. And he said, you know, I hate the title. It's too <laughs> long. It's sappy. I don't like it. What was the original title? Uh, My Heart for the Sun, I think, or something like that. So, but, uh, but he said, I, I can't stand it, but there's a story here that does need to be told. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you're going to have to go through about 40, what ended up being 40 rewrites. Wow. Uh, before we even met Isaac. Yeah. <laughs> so. so now, Isaac, you enter the picture at some point. So how do you guys get connected along the way? <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat before I start. I've been, <laughs> holding, it yeah, in. I've been holding it in for a while. You're waiting. He's getting so <clears throat> choked up about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Harold is a mutual friend of mine. Um, and Harold and I worked on the Zone TV show for a while together. Huh. And Harold came to me and said, you know, you, you've started producing movies now. I've only done television, but I really want to be involved with this project. I think there's something here. Would you be interested in being involved with this? Um, and would you review it, give me your thoughts, and that sort of thing? And so I started consulting first with, with Harold and with Dave and Christy and walking them through some things and, and giving some them some feedback on the story. But at the same time... Um, I thought it might be an opportunity for Rebel Pilgrim to get involved and uh, to offer, you know, some of our services and experience. Because um, at that point, you know, we were we were finishing a strange brand of happy, so we were working on our fifth feature film, and we had had some experience. Um, and so I came to Joe and said, "Look, I think there's something here. I think there's something good with this story. Um, Dave and Christy are very passionate about this topic. They've got something." That, that I think could work that both when we're when we're evaluating internally what projects to pursue it's kind of a combination of is is this project something that aligns with our with our mission and vision which is to spark hope and action right is it something that um, we think that we could do well with our skill set and is it something that financially, we think we could get um, enough investors interested in this that would want to support it and that could potentially provide a financial return that would satisfy them that's sort of financially responsible. Mm-hmm. And, and it, in my mind, it met all of that criteria and the combination of, of that and knowing that Christy and Dave were passionate about it and they were willing to do whatever it took to be successful, um, that gave me the confidence to tell Joe, I think we should, we should pursue this. What was the the collaboration like early? Because I think sometimes when something's your baby, I mean, you you framed it like that, that it's really hard to let other people in and not just critique it, but change it. And uh, so what was that early collaboration like between you guys and just generally with a group of people once you suddenly had all these people with a hand in your story. Right. I would probably answer it two ways. One is, you know, once Harold just completely told us our baby was ugly, it really <laughs> opened. It really we, we were, we were um, eager to learn. So I think from our perspective, I feel like we were pretty open to, you know, what, what this story was. I think the biggest thing, though, and Isaac can probably comment on this too, is, you know, when you're telling a story about this topic, you know, it is a very difficult mm-hmm. topic to to not be completely dark. So I think, right. I think I would describe the movie as, as the topic is very dark, but the movie is not. Mm-hmm. And I think to walk that fine line, to have a hopeful, you know, feeling around it, given the name Hope Bridge, you know, was, was a real challenge. And I know there was a lot of collaboration between, you know, between Isaac and Harold and Christy and I, and then eventually, you know, Jade Kendall and then J- uh, Josh Overbay and his mm-hmm. wife, Ginny, who were the director and writer, 
So just a lot of collaboration really went into it, and it was it was critically important to get it right. What about you? So so this isn't your baby, Isaac. So mm-hmm. how do you in that role balance not wanting to uh, be offensive or be critical, but also trying to be encouraging and and make this project better? What's that like? It. In some ways, it's it's easier, and in some ways, it's it's more difficult. You know, it's I think it's a little bit easier for me to be objective, because it isn't it isn't my baby. But at the same time, as the 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 position that I'm in as producer, then I'm I'm trying to get everybody on the same page, um, get everybody collaborating together, and and also you're you're trying to respect appease and satisfy different different views and and so many different people who are investing their time and money and effort in into the project and i'll say with with dave and christy i don't i don't know that i've ever experienced um two people who were had this had such a high level of passion but also were so willing to be flexible and receive critique and make adjustments uh, constantly throughout throughout the process, is they genuinely they just wanted to do whatever would would make it the most successful and put it in a great position. So, you know, for them to pour their heart and soul into it, and and for this to be really a part of their family, I would think for for years, but also be willing to have so many different people speak into it and continually tweak it. Um, that that's that's a huge part of of why it's to this point, and it's being released and it's going to do a, a week-long run in a theater and be available nationwide on DVD because they were willing to do that. Where, where do you think that came from, Dave? Where do you think the ability to to let go of it and let people, because most people just aren't secure enough, you know, most people that create something and then people start critiquing or right. it's really hard and painful. It seems like you were open to that. Yeah, I think part part of it is because we really didn't didn't have any experience in this, so I think we were we were learning as well. But I, I think one of the things that Isaac was super open to was there were I mean we did we weren't out without contentious moments, because from our perspective, you know, we had you know the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and the Lindner Center of Hope as two organizations that really were have been with us all along the way. And to us, the messaging of the movie and the, some of the some of the key messages that need to be delivered around the topic were critically important to us. Mm-hmm. And so there were a few times when we said this this message is critical and has to stay. You got to work around it, and they did. Mm-hmm. So I think you know I think it was really it was collaborative. But you know I, I've never you know the only script I've ever written was not very good. So you know <laughs> I was happy to be part of one that was good. Well, I say I, I will say too like the I think in the creative process and. Um, a few other creatives talk about this, especially at Rebel Pilgrim with Joe and Brad. They, I think they would agree with me about this, this statement, but I think sometimes if you have some parameters that you have to play within, it actually kind of ignites uh, creativity mm-hmm. and, and fuels it. And at this point, it was there were certain um, sort of educational suicide prevention, education type ideas that had to be communicated. Uh, from my point of view, there were certain budget constrictions that we had to stay within, number of actors involved, number of locations, uh, as few stunts as possible, things like that, that you have to stay within. And so 
I think that helped fuel some of the creativity um, and even brought people together look, that were like, look, we have, we have these challenges, but it's also kind of like a goal or something to achieve. And, and people were able to rally behind that. Yeah, we've talked about that. I mean, Brad and I have talked about it as sort of like a, a big sandbox where if you have no parameters, you just sort of float off in a space because you can just think and brainstorm and play all day. But you've got to be within the sandbox. And then once you're in the sandbox, you can do all kinds of fun, creative stuff. But if you're not in the sandbox, right. nothing ever gets accomplished. Right. I, I will say during one of our early meetings – uh, with Rebel Pilgrim and with Dave and Christy, um, one of our early meetings. I'm looking at this and I'm I'm thinking of the budget constrictions, <laughs> and I was like, guys, I know I know the movie's called Hope Bridge. I'm just going to throw this out there. Is it possible that we could accomplish this goal without a bridge? And we changed the name of the movie because just hope. Yeah, maybe maybe it should just be <laughs> yeah, hope. so. There's no because the bridge would cost money. Yeah, the, the bridge the yeah. bridge was was in my mind. I was so intimidated. Because when you have very little money, just going going to a bridge and saying to the going to the state of Kentucky to the transportation cabinet and saying, so we want you to shut down a road and a bridge for and they're like like do you like a half hour or like a day yeah. we need it shut down for an entire day um, and we're gonna have to have extra safety there and and an emergency route plan and. Uh, we're going to have to have extra generators. And, and by the way, we're going to be shooting this scene. Uh, I was hoping for a full moon so that we could get as much light as possible. And they control had, the moon? Yeah. And we had to shoot it during a new moon. And so there's no light. And it was it was a day, honestly, that the day that we were shooting on the bridge, because there's so many different complex things involved with it, so many different elements that are both dangerous or difficult or complicated, that I was dreading it for like four months. I knew. Wow. That, that that day was going to be horrible. And the four hours leading up to the shoot was the worst four hours of the of the entire year for me. But once we actually started rolling, it actually everything went really well. And it was one of the, uh, I think, a, a key accomplishment in the process. Yeah, it's I, one of the questions I was going to ask is what is a producer? Because I feel like that's always sort of like the, the <laughs> joke question. Like people sort of know what a director does. But from what I'm hearing, a producer sounds like a really stressful job because you just have to think about all this stuff that stresses you out. It, it almost it feels like it's anti. It's not because I get what you're saying, but it, it feels like it would be super constraining and kind of sad to have to be like, well, we need a bridge, but we can't do that. So can we or is it or is it creative because you have to figure out solutions to problems? The title producer is weird and ambiguous um, because it can mean so many different things. And there's so many different types of producers. And it could it could range from you helped, you either supplied some money or, or introduced somebody who helped supply some money to the project all the way to you're, you're supervising and in charge of and overseeing how every single dollar and minute of time and, and cash is spent on the project um, and or finding distribution for the film after it's it's completed. It's that wide range and speaking into the content, that, that could be a way. One of my main responsibilities, I say I have, I have three responsibilities uh, typically at, uh, as the type of producer that I am and also do some unit production management. That is... We have to accomplish it on time, on budget, 
and nobody gets hurt. Those those are my three main responsibilities. And you throw in there also doing all three of those things and making sure that the movie isn't terrible. That that's, <laughs> that's my That's just an afterthought. Yeah, yeah. That's sure it's not terrible. And yeah. and that's that's my that's my responsibility now. That doesn't mean that the movie's supposed to be just not terrible. Right, right, right. But the goal then the responsibility of the director is to make sure that it's great. Right. But mine is just to make sure that it's not terrible and that <laughs> but but as far as the creativity and it can be it can be a bummer like I feel like sometimes my job so often is to say no mm-hmm. to to people or to, and I don't like saying no. I I like making people happy. I like being liked and I don't like saying no, but that was something that along this sort of filmmaking journey that I had to become okay with is one occasionally having to tell people no or we can't do it that way but let's think of an alternative and also being okay with people not liking me at times because I had to do make a decision that was maybe not what they wanted but what I felt was best for the project. So it, when someone walks out of the theater after they've seen the movie, the thing you want them walking out and thinking or doing is what? I would say if they if they under if they know somebody that's struggling I think let's go watch this movie together or let's go have a conversation. Um, if they're struggling themselves, I want them to see that, you know, Kevin Sorbo plays a, um, a psychologist in the, in the film. You know, there's nothing wrong with going to see a professional. You know, some people think this, you know, state mental institution, mental hospital, you know, professionals are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And it's okay to tell people you're talking to a professional. I mean, this is you know, we're in 2015. This is not right. 1960. So. Yeah, I've always said I feel like at birth we should all be assigned a psychiatrist <laughs> and then just someone that we have that we can go and have those conversations with because there is this stigma, you know, that, oh, if you go talk to professional, there's something wrong, you're crazy. And it's like, yeah, we are all are kind of crazy, right? And we exactly. all have issues and things that uh, are affecting our lives. And when we try to deal with those on our own, outside of community, that seems like it's the real, That's true. you know, problem area. And one in four, one in four people ha- have or do suffer from some sort of mental illness, which means it could be depression, it could mm-hmm. be just, it could be temporary, it could be PTS from, you know, some type of accident or tra- trauma. So one in four. So it's, we're all, we are all not alone. <laughs> yeah. It's got chills. I, I just think it's so powerful for people uh, to see someone who just felt like they were called to do something to and literally had no background or idea how to do it and here we are a month away from the movie coming out yeah, i mean if, if that's not a story of anybody can creatively tell a story to change the world then i don't i don't know what is and i wish christy was here because i mean she would tell you the same thing we're just we're just in awe in constant constantly and to know that this is coming and it's a four-year journey that's been in the making it is it's kind of surreal and I, I would just say if there if there are folks listening who have that desire to do something that seems impossible or unlikely or that that drive or calling or or whatever the thing that I observe from from Dave and Christie that have I think one of the keys that put them in this position is just not only um a combination of, of the drive to just not give up and the and the movie and the movie production actually took on that sort of identity mm-hmm. that the movie would just not go away yeah the movie was just kept pushing forward past obstacles and that started with with um, their attitude and, and their commitment but then also 
with that same drive and passion of, of not giving up, knowing in other ways where to give up or, or surrender or receive that critique along the way that those two, those two things gave it life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Brad and I always talk about, I think this is Brad's biggest passion in life is to just get people creating. Like everyone has a story, everyone can creatively tell that story and most of us just don't do it. You know, we just get too busy. There's excuses. Uh, you know, uh, we're lazy. And uh, if, if, the, if everybody just said, I'm going to do it. I don't know how. Yep. I'll figure it out. But I've got a story and I'm going to tell it. Like, imagine what that would do to the world. I think it'd be, it would change the world. That's it for this episode. My name is Brad Wise and my co-host is Steve Fuller. Thanks to Jim Zartman of Talkie Records for our music. Thanks to Isaac and David for sharing their story. Go to rebelstorytellers.com slash the podcast and we'll put up the trailer for Hope Bridge and info of how you can see the film. But until next time, keep creating. <laughs>